our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning. Ah, there we go. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. If you guys want to finish up what you're doing, make your way back to your seats. Um, We're going to start church in just a moment. All right, if you guys are willing and able, (laughs) please stand with us. All right, I'm going to open us up in prayer before the service. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this gift that you have given us of your birth and your resurrection, your death and your resurrection. I pray that you would just calm our hearts, calm our minds as we enter into worship together as a congregation. Jesus, we just lift you up today. We thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for us, that you took on our sins, you died on the cross. And we just celebrate today that you rose again. Help us to um, just be respectful of you and just be able to enter into worship today. In your name we pray. Amen. Our breakfast, please feel free to get up as you need to and get breakfast. We'll do breakfast throughout the morning. So there's, uh, there's yogurt and parfaits and, and Chick is making omelets. And there's sausages in the the crock pot over on the right-hand side. So feel free to get up during worship and and do that. Just make sure that you're not uh, just gathering and chit-chatting during worship. And then um, also we'll pray in a a moment, but I'm going to be passing around a card. Joe Nowicki had to go in for emergency appendix surgery. And so they brought him in just before uh, that morning text that came out this morning. So he's been at the hospital for a, a bit because the hospital's overloaded, uh, overloaded and understaffed. 
because of the holiday. And so, but they took him in, and we're waiting for Melissa to respond and let us know where he's at. So praying for a quick, hopefully by now done, and then a quick recovery. So I'm going to, during worship, pass this card around. And if you guys want to write a note of just encouragement to Joe, we'll do that uh, throughout worship. He's coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down, and every chain will break as broken hearts declare.
soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire battalion. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They made him a crown of long sharp thorns and put it on his head. They placed a stick in his right hand to the scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery yelling, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him and grabbed the stick and beat him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes back on him. They led him away to be crucified. When they were on the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Serene, and they forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Then they went out to a place called Golgotha. The soldiers gave him mixed wine, mixed with bitter gall, and when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. They sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A signboard was fastened to the cross above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews.
on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to see the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone that sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. The angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't there. He has been raised from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples, you have been raised, you have, He has been raised from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember, I have told you.
affection. prayer. The pastor and the board is going to be over here in the corner. If you guys want specific prayer for things.
You guys may be seated. Nope, there I am. Now I am. We prepare our hearts for communion this morning. Jess already read it in Matthew 28, verse 6, but uh, I just want to give you some instruction on all your tables or most of the tables. Uh, again, kids, adults, if you need it, it's there. It's a coloring sheet. I have prizes. So if you uh, color, there are crayons in the back if you need crayons. Um, but the coloring sheets that are on the tables, if uh, you bring your coloring sheet to me after service, I actually have uh, tattoos that match Resurrection Sunday tattoos, temporary tattoos. You want to actually get a real tattoo. Um, but there's this really cool tattoos. They're real. It's a real tattoo. It's just not – it's a temporary tattoo. It's not a permanent tattoo. And uh, the verse that, that Jesse read in Matthew 28, verse 6, says, He is not here. He has risen just as he said. And that's it. That's the crux of everything. And, and churches all over the world this week have been celebrating Holy Week. And you've got all the different things that have happened. And if you've seen people's Facebook pages, uh, posts like, a lot can happen in seven days. When we think about the life of Jesus during this week, if from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday when he celebrated the Passover meal with the disciples and, and initiated communion. That, that it, was, it was something that was a Jewish celebration, a Jewish remembrance of freedom. That God had set the nation of Israel free. And Nathaniel, if you want to come give us our Hebrew word, because the Hebrew word today is the word for freedom. Yeah, turn it on. Switch it Hello? on. Hello. There we oh, go. Oh, there it is. Okay. So I actually found two words, um, and I think there's one that's a little bit better than the other. So there's Herut and Josef, um, and the difference between the two, Herut is um, freedom to do what you want. Um, but, like, wisdom to do what's right. Um, and Josef is kind of the idea of the prodigal son where he got his inheritance and was just, like, out on his own doing whatever the heck he wanted. It was just, like, a vacation. Um, and the um, the Jews, when they celebrated Passover, there's a verse um, in one of the, like, recitations that they site before they eat the meal that talks about the Benai uh, Chorin, which is um, the sons of freedom, and that we were once slaves in Egypt, but now we are sons and daughters of freedom. Mm. Um, and that is that Cherut, that we have the ability to choose, but we know we're going to live according to God's law. Um, and that echoes throughout the whole Old, Old Testament into the New Testament as Jesus Gave us that same cherut. Good. Thank you, Nathaniel. So here's the th- here's what that cherut 
brings us. Because the resurrection, as we come to the table this morning, is that, that, that focal point of all of human history. That if we believe in this one thing, if we believe in this one point, where we think about all the things that are in the Bible that maybe are difficult to believe, we were wrestling with talking about did God create the earth in seven days or did God use millions and billions of years? And we wrestle with how did God do it? It doesn't matter how he did it. It doesn't matter how long it took him to do it. We believe that he did it, right? When we think about all the miraculous things that happened in the Old Testament and the New Testament of, of people being raised from the dead, people being healed, oceans being parted, all of those miraculous things are great things. But none of those things make any difference for us and for our freedom except this one. And that's the resurrection. Because if we believe in that one thing, all of the other things fall into place. It's the hinge point of our faith and of human history. And so if Jesus is alive, then he conquered death. And if we believe he conquered death, he can conquer anything. Sin has no hold on us. Shame has no place in us. Fear can't control us. Worry can't consume us. No enemy has power over us if the resurrection is true. And so do we really believe that Jesus was victorious back then? And, and, and because of his victory, do I believe that he can give me victory now we come to the table this morning let's come with that prayer like that man who came to jesus and said lord i believe help my unbelief and come to the table with an expectation of hope right we, we have a, a, a friends connected to our church in multiple directions who dad got up yesterday and said he didn't feel good and went to go lay down and uh, later they came and found him. He had passed away. And that's tragic. Um, especially on a weekend holiday. But as a family of faith, uh, my prayer and my hope is that they know and they understand the reality of the resurrection. That as while they're grieving Dad, that there is hope. That because Jesus rose from the dead, we get to. And that there, this isn't the end of Mr. Nowak's story. He is with the Lord. Now, it hurts and it's painful to have the gap of relationship until we see Dad again. But that's the whole point. That's the hope that we have, that we will see those people again. That we will be with them again because Jesus conquered death. However you want to interpret the other challenging portions of Scripture, this is the hinge point today that we recognize, that we celebrate. And, and honestly, we, should, we celebrate it every weekend, but especially on the weekend that we celebrate the resurrection for, for us as believers all over the world. Churches all over the world are united in this one thing today. We may have differences on lots of things, but today we celebrate his resurrection. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, And if the spirit of him 
who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who dwells in you. Paul quotes Jesus when in, in each of the Gospels when it recounts the story that Jesus pulled his disciples together in an upper room and he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. It hadn't been broken yet, but it was about to be. On Thursday when he broke the bread, his body hadn't been broken, but it was coming. And then he took the cup of wine after supper and said, this cup is my blood. This is the, it represents the new covenant. His blood hadn't been spilled yet. He hadn't even sweat drops of blood yet in the garden. That came after. He was looking to what was going to happen that weekend, all of the things that would happen all day Friday, all of the excruciating pain, all of the torment, all of the sin that would be laid on him. And, and then the silent Saturday. No one knew what was going to happen next. Disciples were terrified. They were literally locked in rooms, afraid of what the disciple, what the Jewish leaders and the Romans would do to them. And then Sunday morning. Right? So much can change in seven days. And so that Easter Sunday morning, when the women went to the tomb, they ran to the tomb to to prepare the body because they couldn't do it. By the time everything was done on Friday, the Sabbath had fallen and they, they couldn't get to him. And so they go to the tomb and there's an angel there. And he, that, I shared the, the memory verse and, and hopefully that's something that we, we can begin to, to do as a church, to focus on and to, to memorize scripture as a church family. And, and, and you know, I'll, every month I'm going to send you a new verse to work on and to memorize and you, I'll send you graphics. You can change your screen on your computer and on your smartphone. And every time you open your phone, there'll be that verse each month. And I just love that this month, the verse is, He is not here. He has risen just as He said. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Lord, we invite You into this portion of our worship as we celebrate, as we reenact this meal that you held with your disciples as the bread was broken and the cup was passed, that we are free, that we have freedom because your body was broken and your blood was spilled to cover and wash away our sins. So Father, as we come to the table, as we bring our gifts of offering, of tithes and offerings, whether we've done it digitally ahead of time or if we bring an actual physical offering to the offering plate, Lord, we ask that you would take these gifts and that you would use them for your glory in this community and in the world as we support missionaries all over the globe and as we, we do our best to be a light here in this community. Father, we ask that you would be with us, that you would remind us of that freedom we have because you conquered death. We ask your blessing over the bread and over the cup. 
over our gifts of, of tithes and offerings as we celebrate and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. The tables are
As you are making your way back to your seats, please feel free to run back to the table and get some more food, and we'll enjoy breakfast. There's no Kids Quest today. It's a family Sunday, so again, kids, if you want to work on your coloring sheet and do that, I've got the, I got the tattoos for uh, the, the verse, if you want those, and then I also have a keychain if you don't want the tattoo, so... All right. I was I was wrestling. I know everyone's just kind of scattered, and that's okay. Um, for those of you that are paying attention, um, I was I was wrestling with leaving all the decorations up because while Easter bunnies and eggs are cute spring things, they have nothing to do with the resurrection, um, and they are. For people who, like, sometimes people kind of lose their brains about Christmas and Easter because the the church in the early years of the church, during the, the Middle Ages uh, and during the Roman Empire when, when uh, Constantine was kind of making Christianity the official religion of the world, they took holidays that were traditionally pagan holidays um, that were like solstice kinds of things. So the Christmas holiday that gets put on December 25th was an attempt of Christianity to try to kind of stamp out pagan uh, worship of the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. And uh, so when we talk about the, the Son of God being born, the light being brought into the world during the December of the darkest day of the year, that's where Christmas kind of got put over a pagan holiday there. And then in the springtime, they worshipped a goddess of fertility, and she was one of the goddesses that was worshipped in temples using um, prostitution to uh, worship fertility. And so when you think about Easter eggs and bunnies, um, bunnies are a symbol of fertility, and uh, because they reproduce like bunnies. And so, yeah, so when we think about the symbols of Easter, eggs and bunnies have nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm just filling time while people are making their way back to their seats. Yeah. So, Jesus, while Jesus definitely died and was raised from the dead on Passover, which would have been in the spring... Right around now, uh, the story of Christmas happening during the middle dark winter months is probably not true. He was probably also born in the spring because that's when the lambs were being born and the shepherds were in their fields guarding their sheep by night. That they were probably, he was probably born in the spring. So whether or not we are, uh, he was born on day zero uh, or year zero, his most the, uh, historians believe he was born BC. Anyways, all right. Everyone's got their food. We're good. Awesome. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to sign Joe's card, please go ahead and do that. I'll put it. There we go. And then in, uh, if you didn't, Caleb has it. So make your way to Caleb or let Caleb know. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 28. Paul's writing this. He's talking about the resurrection of Christ and why it matters. So in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, Let me now remind you. Jake, I've got slides for these, bud. Um, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Sounds familiar. Jesus uh, or Paul says that thing when we read the passage in chapter 11 about, about the communion passage. What I received, I'm passing now on to you. He says in verse 3, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And this is an important verse, verse 6. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. What Paul is saying as he's writing this letter to the people in Corinthians is that, listen, there are all kinds of stories that you have heard about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. People that were healed, people that were raised from the dead, people who were delivered from demonic oppression. But the biggest thing, the most important thing that we believe is that Jesus himself was raised from the dead. And what Paul is saying here is that, look, maybe you don't believe me. And maybe you don't believe the 12, because maybe they've got, uh, they've got a vested interest in telling this story, because it might benefit them. He's telling people, look, over 500 people saw him alive after he was dead and buried, and most of them are still alive. He's saying, look, you want an eyewitness testimony? Go talk to one of these 500 people. Verse verse 7, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Like, you know, we, we give Peter and John a hard time, right? Because Peter's... Uh, always getting smacked on by John because John says, I'm the one that, that Jesus loved the most. And, and I'm the one who beat Peter to the tomb that resurrection Sunday morning. And now we've got Paul kind of smack-talking the other, other apostles. He says, well, he called himself the least, but then he says, I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Like, probably true. But it's just kind of like, you know, there's no way I have not worked harder than Jude. There's no way I haven't worked harder than Thomas. Like he's saying, look, those guys are good, 
I've worked harder. And yet, and yet it was not I, but God who is working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. For we all preach the same message you have already believed. But let me tell you this. Since we preached that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? So in Corinth, there are people who are saying, that's great that Jesus rose from the dead, but we're stuck. We're not going to receive the same resurrection. And so he's writing this to correct a heresy. He's writing to correct a false understanding. He says, for, verse 13, For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. And in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, through Adam, through Adam's sin, through Adam and Eve's rebellion, death came into the world. Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, the second Adam, the Bible calls Jesus. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And after the end will come, after that the end will come, when he will return the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say God has put all things under his authority. And of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything Everywhere. Amen. You know, it's interesting. What Paul is saying is, is, again, so true. If Jesus didn't come back from the dead, we have nothing to preach. If Jesus didn't come back from the dead, we have nothing to believe. And, and we've been deceiving people. Uh, uh, Chuck Colson is one of the guys who was involved in the Watergate scandal. He was one of the attorneys that worked for President Nixon with him. 
and it was one of the biggest scandals that that our country at that point had had seen and and he uh became a christian after that and and chuck colson has a ministry to prisons uh all over the all over the nation and he said the resurrection absolutely has to be true and he said and i'll tell you why just personally that how Watergate confirmed it to me. Because 12 men, 12 disciples, 12, and their family and friends and all of those people, they went on to preach this resurrection for the rest of their lives upon penalty of death that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead and they staked their entire lives on it, not just their careers, not just their finances, not just their reputations, they literally paid for the truth of the resurrection with their lives. Some were boiled alive. Some were crucified. Some were impaled. Some, uh, tradition says, they were set up against a wall and were filled with arrows like a pincushion. Like they, they, were, they were tortured for this one point of history, this story that they told that Jesus rose from the dead. And what Chuck Colson said was these other 12 men that he's talking about, the men who were involved in the Watergate scandal, couldn't hold their lie together for a week. That within a week's time, they, they, there, was, there were guys who cracked, and, and the scandal of what happened at Watergate literally broke. And, and it didn't cost them their lives. They didn't even. They weren't anywhere near of it. And so, if if these men who cracked after a week to cover up a lie, how is it that the twelve apostles could hold out and and stay true to the story, if for any other reason than it was true? If the resurrection didn't happen, there's no point in us even showing up on Sunday mornings. If the resurrection didn't happen. We are one miserable bunch of people. Paul, is, as he's, he's wrapping this up, wrapping up his letter to the, the Corinthians, this first letter that he's writing in chapter 15, he's, he's talking to them about the most important thing, that the, that the resurrection is essential to the gospel, to the good news. And it gives us this complete picture of good news for, from Good Friday to Easter Sunday morning, that, that we can trust that, that Jesus rose from the dead. And that wasn't something that they disputed. They all agreed on it. But he, he says something in verses 5 through 8, that is so actually in, in verses 12 through 19, that Paul uses the word in Greek, if. That if this is true. And he actually uses that word, um, seven different times to drive home the point that not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but it is the most important thing for us. So it's good news that Jesus is the first fruits of those who died. Jake, give, us, give me verse 20 up on the screen, please. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. What does that mean? 
the first fruits again is a is a term of of agriculture of the harvest of when you planted when you sowed your your corn or your wheat or your uh, we've got a bunch of uh, strawberries in the the back on the on the table and blueberries right when you put those in the ground you had this hope that at some point they would grow and then not only would they be green but then fruit would show up on them and and what he's talking to there is is this understanding that the first fruits those first strawberries those first heads of grain those first blueberries or onions or whatever those were the things that when we thought about what we gave back to the Lord as our tithes and our offerings was the first fruits that we bring. And he's saying this, that he's the first of the harvest of all who have died. That there will be a harvest yet of people who will rise again from the dead. And that's us. Jesus is the first fruits of those who died because Jesus is superior in every other way, in anything in creation. He's the first, but he is not the last. So for us this morning, we have a hope. We have a hope, not just that we get to go to heaven when we die, but that his power is available to us right now. On, on Easter Sunday, uh, April 9th, 2023, that same resurrection power is available to us for us to be able to walk in, what's our Hebrew word, Nathaniel? Harut. To walk in freedom. Harut. Say that with me. Harut. That we get to, we get to receive his freedom because of the resurrection. And so you don't have to wait to be free from addiction when you die. You don't have to wait to be free of depression and, and, and bitterness and anger when you die. That we can walk in his freedom and, and have his resurrection power applied to our lives. That we don't have to wait to be free from addiction to to substances we don't have to be we have to wait to be free from our addictions to pornography when we die we can walk in that harut that freedom that resurrection power today that's good news i think about um the 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 story of uh field of dreams uh, the old Kevin Costner film, a great baseball movie. And, and the voice speaks to Kevin Costner's character, and he says, if you build it, they will come. And, and, and so he doesn't even know what that means, and, and he tries to figure out what it is, and he finds out that whatever this voice is telling him, that he's supposed to take his cornfield, his first fruits, and mow it down, and build a baseball field in the middle of his cornfields. And if you build it, they will come. And, and so the first spirit in the story that comes through is Shoeless Joe Jackson from the, the Chicago Cubs famous baseball team of these guys who were disgraced because they caught, were caught cheating. 
and and they they had to have their story redeemed and and then every night more and more players would come and play but the whole point of the story is he's waiting for his dad and that the final night it, it, the the story the the message the that he realizes he's missed it because we all say if you build it who who will come they will come but what the voice said to him was if you build it he will come and 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 that last day his dad shows up on the field it's beautiful story but we we're not going to go out and build a baseball field in the middle of a cornfield we're not trying to wait for the redemption of a disgraced baseball team. We are waiting in anticipation of that day when Christ returns, because that's the whole point of communion, that, that we celebrate communion. We look back at what he did for us that Easter weekend, dying on the cross and raising from the dead. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is he's coming back. And when he does, the dead in Christ will rise. And we will meet him together in the air. That those that we have lost, you know, this, this past week we were uh, in Florida at my Aunt Patty's house. And I, my, Aunt, my Aunt Pat is my, she's, Aunt Cheryl's not here, so I can't get in trouble. I hope you're not watching on Facebook Live. Aunt Patty, when I was a kid, was my favorite aunt. She was, she was my, she was my nanny. Growing up, um, so my parents literally lived next door to each other. So my dad married the girl next door. And my Aunt Pat saved my life. She, she would rescue me from my parents. Not that my parents were bad, uh, but I was not an easy child. And there were multiple times where there potentially could have been murder. And, and my Aunt Pat would rescue me and just take me out. And, and she told us the story of um, how my grandma Dickerson lived at this house on Hall Street, and my grandma and grandpa Braun lived next door on Hall Street. And my grandma Dickerson was, had been asked to watch me for my mom. And so Aunt Patty had to take me from the Braun house to the Dickerson house, and I was inconsolable. I was screaming. I was crying, Nanny, come save me. I don't want to be here. My poor Grandma Dickerson. Please. And, and, and my Aunt Pat, she's sitting in the house next door listening to this little boy screaming on Grandma Dickerson's front porch, Nanny, come save me. And my Grandma Braun said, Patty, you cannot go over there. You can't. He's, Grandma Dickerson is responsible for Robbie today. My Aunt Pat had to leave because she couldn't bear to hear me screaming, Nanny, please come save me. I don't want to be here. We were, we were in Aunt Patty's house, and it's all filled with Grandpa Braun's things, Grandma and Grandpa's Braun's pictures. And what I love about it is uh, she literally laid out her house. So my Grandma and Grandpa lived in a, a trailer. Um, it was a double-wide trailer, but it was a trailer. And when my Aunt Pat, when Grandma and Grandpa passed away, she got their trailer and their property as her inheritance. And so, obviously, she didn't want to live in an old 
um, very well-loved trailer. So she had the trailer pulled off the property and had a custom modular home built to go right back on Grandpa's plot of property. And she had them build it bigger, but in the exact same shape as Grandpa's house. So Grandma's, Aunt Patty's bedroom is in the back, and the living room and the kitchen are here, and the office is in the front and the front bedroom. And then she put all of Grandma and Grandpa's furniture back into it. So when I walk in the house, it's like, Grandma and Grandpa. I had to have, had to have grapefruit for breakfast because that's what you have when you go to Grandpa's house for breakfast. And uh, it was normally grapefruit off of Grandpa's grapefruit trees, except Aunt Patty cut down all his trees. Um, so I had to go to the store and buy grapefruit so that I could have grapefruit at Grandpa's table in Grandpa's house. And, you know, that's a funny, cute story. Um, but I know and I have hope that I'm going to see Grandma and Grandpa Braun again because of the resurrection, that we will be together again. That's our hope. This morning, I, you know, I, the last thing I want to tell a story of is the, the, the story of the thief on the cross, right? On Friday, there were three people on the hill. There were two thieves, and there was an innocent man being executed for something he didn't commit so that his death would pay the price for us. And the two thieves are kind of yelling and screaming and swearing at the crowd and swearing at at, at Jesus and, and just this awful stuff. And finally, one of the thieves recognizes there's something different about the guy in the middle. Because he's not swearing and screaming and spitting and raging at the injustice of being crucified for something that he didn't do. And the thief on the cross finally is like, I need whoever that guy is. I need him. And I, I don't know what it means. I don't understand. I just I need whatever the guy in the middle has got. And Jesus turns to him and, and he, says to, he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' response was, today you will be with me in paradise. And, and those are the words he says, and, and that's it. That's his entire discipleship process. And they die. And I can imagine that moment when that thief shows up at the gates of heaven. And, and the, the angel at the gate says, um, what are your credentials for being here? And he's like, what are your credentials? Well, have you been baptized? Uh, baptized for what? Uh, no, I've never been baptized. Well, have you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you have your prayer language? You've been received, have you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, hold on a second, right? And the angel says, let me go get my supervisor. I mean, because I, I don't know what to do with this guy who just showed up at the gate. And, and so the supervisor comes and he says, well, can you explain to me the, 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 the understanding of justification by faith, of, 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 of putting your trust in, in Christ? And he goes, I don't know what any of those words mean. And finally, the thief on the cross gets frustrated and he says, look, look, this is all I know. 
guy on the middle cross said I could come. I'm here. And that's our hope. We don't have to have a full understanding. We just have to simply trust and say, Jesus, I need you. The guy on the middle cross says, come. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your resurrecting power. We thank you, God, that you heal us when we're sick, and we again we just ask for a speedy recovery for Joe and and for all, all of our family and friends that are sick and, and need a healing touch. And that's amazing that that's available to us. The most important thing is that your resurrection happened. And because you rose from the dead, we get to. So Lord, maybe there are some folks that are here with us this morning and we've never asked you for forgiveness. We've never invited you into our lives. doesn't mean we have to understand everything. The guy on the, on the cross next to Jesus didn't understand church history. He didn't understand, wasn't baptized He didn't understand anything. He just said, Jesus, help me. Jesus said, come. And that's as simple as it is. So, Lord, this morning we ask, Lord, if if we've never done that before, you would help us. You would empower us to ask you for help and that you would forgive our sins and that you would make us new. Maybe, Lord, we've been Christians a long time and sometimes it gets easy to forget and we get distracted or we get off target. Lord, this Easter Sunday, refocus our energies and our hearts to remember what you did for us and to walk in that freedom. Not just waiting for it when we die, that we can walk in that resurrection power at school tomorrow and at work and in our neighborhoods. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. Blessings. There's still a bunch of food. Feel free uh, to grab some eggs, grab some sausage, and... Uh, Joe is out of surgery, so praise the Lord that that went well. Um, Now he's just got to eat and poop and walk and get his pain under control. And those are the things you have to do so they let you out of the hospital. You have to walk, eat, and poop. If you don't do those things. Anyways, I just like to say, I just like to say poop. Poop. Have a great week. And may his face smile upon you and be gracious to you and show you his favor and give you his peace. And I pray you have a good poop today. So blessings.